today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, Richard Zussman, uh, global news reporter out in British Columbia, got a one-on-one with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Uh, he's joining us now to talk about that. First, uh, let's play uh, one of the answers to his questions, uh, the Prime Minister being asked about uh, vaccine supply. We signed deals with about seven different companies from around the world, uh, sourced them from all f- different parts of the world. But uh, you'll remember that particularly given the previous admini- American administration stance, uh, we uh, did most of our sourcing from outside of the United States. Uh, we had a commitment of uh, six million vaccines by the end of March. We blew through that with over nine and a half million doses. Uh, as of about 10 days from now, we're going to start increasing to two million doses every single week. Uh, and we're continuing to work with partners like the United States to increase that. We're talking about getting close to 50 million doses by the end of June, and everyone uh, will be vaccinated right across the country uh, who wants it, fully vaccinated by September. All right, there you have it. I guess nothing new there in the sense that uh, we always knew we would uh, be finished by the end of uh, September. Uh, that was a promise that the uh, Prime Minister made uh, long ago. Unfortunately, that is pretty much after everyone else is finished and starts sending their extras to uh, to Canada, including uh, the United States, who, uh, you know, the, the Prime Minister was alluding to the previous uh, administration. Of course, Donald Trump said no one's getting any till we vaccinate all of America first. Well, Biden has the same thing and he's promising to send more but uh, of course that's uh, a little later on once they complete their second dose and uh, get everybody uh, inoculated who wants a vaccination rather who wants one uh, in the United States as I mentioned Richard Zussman out of British Columbia with Global News uh, got a one-on-one with the Prime Minister and he is with us now Richard thanks for the time I hope you're doing well yeah I'm doing great thanks for having me Scott so uh, I don't know if you've interviewed the uh, prime minister like this before on a one-on-one, but what was your impression? Yeah, I have a few times, but I, I think, as you know, with these sort of interviews, uh, what is most important is what's not in the interview rather than what is. You know, these answers are pretty rehearsed. And like you mentioned, regurgitating a lot of these same things we've heard again and again. But the question I asked specifically three different times was, when are we going to be receiving additional vaccines from the United States? How much will we receive? And what kind of vaccine is it going to be? Because as we know, the U.S. is stockpiling AstraZeneca vaccine that they are not using. Canadians could desperately use AstraZeneca. Our countries are so intrinsically linked. You know, it's hard to find in Hamilton or Victoria or Vancouver someone that's not connected to the United States on an everyday basis. And because of that relationship, I think the expectation from Canadians would be that if the United States has vaccine they are not using, that they will give it to us in part. And President Biden said yesterday that Canada will be getting some vaccine, but Trudeau couldn't provide numbers for how much we'll be getting, when we'll be getting it, because obviously it matters, Scott, if we get the vaccine now, like this week, next week, compared to June when, you know, we're not feeling as much pressure as we are right now. So, you know, I found the prime minister upbeat, but, but, you know, my experience in talking to him is, you know, he sits, he's, he's fixed on his lines. He's focused in on his messaging and you can ask a bunch of different questions, various Mm -hmm. different ways. And I'm sure you and I will, will talk about borders and flights in a minute, because like you, I get a lot of calls and emails about that issue you know, again, he's just sort of focused in on those talking points and and it's hard to deviate him from that. 
And also Biden mentioning that more vaccine was coming to Canada, but that was in the future. But out of that stockpile, that's obviously going towards their COVAX commitment. And he he said Central America is going to get a good portion of that as well. Yeah, exactly. And they have millions and millions of vaccines. So the question is, how much will go to Central America, where, yes, they are struggling through COVID-19? How much will go to other parts of the world? And how much may go to Canada? We know that we are getting some AstraZeneca from the United States. So a shipment has already arrived to that uh, regard. But, you know, we are struggling uh, with supply here. You know, in British Columbia, uh, our health officials say we could give out far more vaccine than we have on an everyday basis. We're equipped to do that. I'm sure it's the same in Ontario, and we just don't have the vaccine to do it. And, you know, if our only strategy here is, you know, we have two strategies, uh, provincial health orders and then vaccine, you know, vaccine is a key part to that, and we need more in order to make it work. It seems in Ontario, the provinces, the the provincial government is taking the most heat and and this isn't being directed at the prime minister. Are you seeing that in British Columbia? Uh, Not so much. It's it's a different feeling. I grew up in Ontario. I grew up in Ottawa. And the relationship with the federal government and the province is, is different in Ontario than it is in B.C. And it's a funny sort of that distance allows us to, you know, feel less detached to Ottawa. So there's not a whole lot. People are sort of understand the differences about who is responsible for what, but there's not a lot of blame being directed towards our premier, like you're seeing in Ontario. It's, it's a different vibe, but, but premier John Horgan here has uh, better followed along the guidance from health officials than premier Ford has. I know that's a big bulk of the criticism that premier Ford is getting that he isn't even listening to his own advisors around the provincial health issues. So, um, you know, I think people are a little bit muddled like anything about who to blame for all this, but I do think it's sort of uh, vaccine is vaccine and we expect the federal government to deliver on it and BC can only deliver as much as we get. Uh, one more on this, and then we'll get back to the Prime Minister. But uh, obviously, uh, British Columbia government implementing uh, stricter regulations with the police giving them powers. Uh, we saw Doug Ford go through this over the weekend and then had to pull it back because of, of the protests. And even the NDP leader here called it a police state. Uh, how are BCers reacting to the same sort of policy that was in Ontario and was tossed away? Yeah, so we get our actual rules tomorrow, Friday but Premier Horgan alluded to them on Monday. And uh, it's a very different reaction here because what Premier Horgan said was, uh, you know, he would work with the BIPOC communities. Uh, he would work with police. And, and our, it's, we're not putting in any sort of random checks on Vancouver beaches or in downtown Surrey. This is going to be on like three roadways where people go on recreational travel. And the reality is, it is, in essence, a toothless measure that will uh, struggle to get people on board with actually cracking down on travel. But the province wants it to sound like they're banning travel, but they're, in essence, not even going to enforce it. The union has raised up its hands and said, oh, we're not going to enforce this. But the reality is the union is also fighting with the province about getting access to vaccine. Police officers haven't been vaccinated en masse in British Columbia yet. So part of this is a play to get vaccination. We've also heard from the same sort of advocacy groups, uh, indigenous groups and civil liberties groups about how this could be an infringement on people's rights, but that hasn't resonated much with the public yet either. We'll get the clarity tomorrow on the full rules, but it's been a very different reaction in BC compared to Ontario. And 
Ultimately, though, I think it's because BC is taking a little bit of a slower tack rather than Premier Ford stepping in and saying this is going to come in immediately and then having to reverse course the next day. All right. Getting back to your interview with the uh, prime minister, you talked about uh, it's what he doesn't say as opposed to what he does say. Did you hear anything that you weren't expecting in that interview? Not really, but I think one of the big pieces here, and again, you mentioned all the emails you're getting about these flights coming in internationally, and it's driving people crazy to think that people can travel internationally into Canada, but you can't even move around your own province. What we need to remember in that, though, is that there are border restrictions in place, that when people arrive uh, on a flight, they must stay in a hotel for three days. If they don't, they are could uh, face serious fines. But then I think one of the places where these policies fall short is once you get through that hotel quarantine, let's say uh, you got on a flight with a negative test, then you stayed in your hotel, and now you're back home five days after you were in a country like India or Brazil, and now you start feeling symptoms. The federal government is not doing a particularly great job at following up with those people, and there are concerns that those that are supposed to legally be isolating for 14 days aren't. So I asked the Prime Minister about, well, whether he'll put more resources into that, did not get a very substantial answer, said they have been, but we know it's still a problem. And then I asked about stopping flights from India. This is sort of the number one concern for people here in British Columbia. Uh, I know uh, it's an issue in Ontario as well, that there are still flights coming, and the Prime Minister acknowledged that there are indirect flights coming through India as well, and that stopping it is almost impossible. The sense I got is they won't be pausing flights from India, although based on what we're seeing, we've already had a a variant linked to India, the W mutation, appear here in British Columbia. Uh, So there will be some concerns building up about those travel restrictions. But the PM finally on this point did say that they are looking at additional border measures. But when I asked specifically, what are they? No answer. Not surprising, but hopefully we'll hear about those soon. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Richard, we've certainly heard that the UK is going to ban, and I think it's this weekend, this Friday, going yeah. to ban flights from India. Um, and we certainly know the new variants come in, and that's how they come in through air travel, despite having the, the land borders closed. Why wouldn't you just close down these flights? What's the political blowback for actually doing this? Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and I don't know what conversations the Prime Minister has had with counterparts in India, but you just look at the footage coming out of India and, and you know, overwhelmed hospitals, people waiting in mile-long lines to get vaccinated. There are huge concerns happening there. And I think the Prime Minister is not trying to react too swiftly to say, well, problems in India, stop flights in India, knowing that those flights could be going through the UK or could be going through Germany or could be going through France, uh, could be going through other Asian countries. And those flights are not being restricted. So that's one of the challenges they are having. And the prime minister does believe that the quarantine system in place works. The other question, though, Scott, is why not just increase the number of days someone must stay in a hotel? We know that people can be asymptomatic for a number of days, require them to stay and pay for the hotel for 14 days. If you left Canada at any point in the last few months, you know, you did so knowing that you shouldn't have. And if you have a special exemption, sure, but most people don't. And so that's where 
the prime minister could make changes is to extend the amount of time someone must stay in a quarantine hotel in order to eliminate this idea that people are asymptomatic, go back in community, and then we see these variants enter our communities, which have had devastating impacts in Ontario and devastating impacts in British Columbia. Uh, it's odd that we won't restrict these flights, yet places like the Center for Disease Control in the United States are saying, don't go to Canada. Like, you know, <laughs> we'll accept <laughs> flights in, but people don't want us from other from other countries. So uh, another question, Richard, any idea who is traveling? Who is traveling yeah. now uh, when there is these quarantine measures in place, when we have a hotspot country like Canada, a hotspot country like India? Who the heck is flying between the two? People not making great decisions, Scott, I think. Uh, Some of it are health emergencies. Some of it are family emergencies. And a lot of it is selfishness, right? We had those stories around Christmas time of high-profile politicians traveling. A lot of people don't believe Mm -hmm. this applies to them. And they are traveling, and they they can convince themselves that their travel is essential. And there are few restrictions in order to stop that. And uh, that's who's traveling. And it's frustrating to watch from my basement and from your home and from everyone else's home, we're cooped up, we're following these orders. And it's frustrating to watch those who aren't. And, and again, the Prime Minister noted international travel makes up a very, very small portion of spread. But what that answer leaves out entirely is it, it does include the introduction of variants, which are more transmissible, and that then goes into community and leads to community spread. And it it doesn't just lead to community spread to rule breakers. It leads to community spread to essential workers who are in tight workplaces that aren't vaccinated yet. It leads Mm -hmm. to spread in schools, yes, to a much lesser degree. But, But it's that international travel that introduces that. And that's why so many people are frustrated with the prime minister about not stepping up and saying we need tighter rules, longer quarantines and greater restrictions on flights. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because even Dr. Tam had said, you know, only a small portion. It's like one point whatever percent, but it's the first yeah. ones that come in. And again, exactly. it's like 17, 17 flights last week uh, with positive tests on board in Toronto alone. Uh, that's exposing 2,500 passengers. So, you know, how can you say it's only one percent? I mean, it's common sense, especially when the variants come in from other places. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't know how many of those cases are actually getting into community. But mm-hmm. what is <clears throat> deeply concerning is when, you know, they're asymptomatic, they get on that flight, like you said, they then test positive. We don't know whether that's caught in quarantine or if they get into community and, and break their isolation and introduce, you know, these variants or introduce a virus in any regard to community. Because, as you know, and the listeners know, one case can turn to hundreds of cases very, very quickly. That's what's so scary about COVID-19. And that one case has to originate someone. And, and it's just, if these were regular cases of COVID-19, you could say, yeah, flight is the same as transmitting at a workplace. Mm-hmm. But these variants, we don't know how well, we know for now that the vaccines work against them. We don't know long term if the vaccines will work against some of these variants. And we also know they're more transmissible. So all of that is deeply concerning. All right, let's talk about uh, last question here, Richard, then I'll let you go. Uh, obviously, child care uh, was a massive part of the budget that uh, came out earlier in the week. Many are saying that this is an election budget. Uh, however, the prime minister, he's introduced a program he wants the provinces to pay half of. Yeah. How do you think that's going to fly? And are you surprised this was the main pillar of this budget that's supposed to be around an election? So it, it was a huge 
So BC, the NDP government, ran twenty their 2017 election on this promise. And yeah. it was a minority government, but it got them into power. It is a big vote-getter. The interesting thing about this is BC is on the track for $10 daycare. BC is a big partner in this. Ottawa's money is going to help big time here. In Ontario, there may be a little bit more difficult sell, squeezing money out of the Ford government to pony up half. But it is. But then the Liberal government can say, well, we have this great promise, and it's the province that's blocking it from coming into effect. Trudeau also mentioned that there will be additional support now for parents that doesn't just address, you know, $10 a day down the road. So there will be help immediately. There will also be long-term help. So it's all about using it as sort of a pillar to say, we're looking out for families. We know that life's expensive. We know it's hard to get childcare. And the blueprint, and it's, you know, I'm getting in the weeds a bit here, but one of the prime minister's uh, big advisors is someone who uh, lost his job because they, his party lost the 2017 election uh, and maybe using this as a bit of inspiration to not let it happen again. So child care gets votes. It's easy to sell uh, other than Quebec where they already have it. So I think it's a good political move by Trudeau to introduce this all the, and then can blame the provinces if they don't come up with their part of the money. It's, it's kind of like buying you a, a birthday present, but only giving you half of it. You've got to purchase. Well, we're giving you half a work, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to give you half a bicycle. You got to buy the other half. Uh, Richard Zussman's been with us, reporter for Global News in British Columbia. Uh, Richard, great job. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. It's better than giving you the bike and not the brakes, though, right? At least. Thanks for having <laughs> That's me. That's a good point. <laughs> you got one wheel. You got to ride it like a unicycle. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.